You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. What's up, everybody? It's Marcus D'Angelo, and we are back for another episode of Everybody's Got a Pod. And of course, you know this guy right here beside me. That is the Hall of Famer, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Brother, how you doing today? Brother, everybody's got a price, including the Million Dollar Man. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, spent a whole lot of my money, uh, but it was it was it was great. I took my family to uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama. Uh, for like a uh, a holiday getaway, and it, it was great. It's it's uh, it was a little nerve wracking because uh, this is the first time that I've done this with four grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as long as mommy and daddy were there to help with that, we were we were cool. We had a good we had a very good time, and I got a little bit of sun, and uh, uh, you know, of course, you know. I, I sunburn up here because usually I have a hat on and I just, I'm trying to make sure this doesn't just keep going back. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man, compared to a lot of guys from your era, you are hanging yeah. in there great with the hair. Uh, um, yeah. and, and I've, I've had a lot of comments like, you know, Ted, how old are you? I said, well, I'm almost 70 and they go, golly, you know, you don't look that old. So you do not, uh, thank yeah. you God. If I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've been blessed with the good genetics. You do not look like you're about to turn 70 years old. And and man, what a blessing to, to be able to get away with your family there for a few days. But now Absolutely. you got to pay for it, right? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's always how it goes. Yeah. Well, look, uh, you know, it's you said everybody's got a price and everybody's got a pod, which is, of course, the name of our podcast. And uh, but nobody's got a podcast like us, brother. We are taking a deep dive this week into the summer of 1993 so we're looking back exactly 30 years and mm. some of the uh the happenings in the wwf okay and man i am i'm excited to talk to you about this era you know it's a pivotal time in wrestling uh because this era represents the transition from the golden age of wrestling to the yeah. new generation era and uh -huh. who man we've got a lot to talk about before we get into it uh i did want to ask our listeners have you subscribed yet over at youtube.com slash at everybody's got a pod if not, what are you doing? We have a ton of clips from the show there. We even drop a YouTube exclusive clip every single Monday that you can't hear anywhere else. Also, we're playing another giveaway sometime very soon, and the only way to be eligible is to be subscribed to our channel. Again, it's youtube.com slash at everybody's got a pod. doesn't cost you a penny to get over there and get subscribed, and you're going to love what we're doing. Uh, so, Ted, this transitional yeah. period is defined by one huge storyline, and that is the departure of Hulk Hogan from the WWF. 
uh, Hulk took a long hiatus following the steroid controversy, but returned in February 93 to feud with you and IRS and would capture the WWF title at WrestleMania 9. Of course, following King of the Ring in June, he would be gone from WWF TV until his return in 2002, so like nine years later. Uh, we'll talk about your match at WrestleMania down the road uh, for probably for our second part of the Money Inc. episode. But Hogan returning to win the WWF title at WrestleMania 9, it's, it was kind of overshadowing Brett, who Vince was allegedly ready to roll with at that time. You know, Hulk Hogan is he's trying his hand in Hollywood. He's uh, he's kind of in and out of the promotion here at this time. The steroid controversy happens. And here's Vince putting the title back on this guy who is sort of not really around that much. Ted, when you saw it happen, because you were at WrestleMania 9 and you were a big part of the company at that time, when you're seeing Hulk get the title again in this era, uh, do you feel like that's the right move for business? Or do you think that Vince was kind of moving backwards doing something like that? Well, you know, it, it, you know, there's there's, kind of, there's a lot, so many ways to look at that. I mean, you know, here, here was a guy, who, you, know, you know, who he was. He was the guy when everything exploded mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and, and so he, he goes away and, and, you know, I never knew, I, and I, I never, obviously I never talked to Vince and never talked to Hulk about it, you know, you know why, why he made that decision. But, um, you know, so Hogan comes back and comes back in a big way. And, and my, my looking at that says, well, they, they have, uh, kissed and made up <laughs> you know <laughs> now things are going to go on as 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 usual you know but you know obviously that didn't happen either did it no as we know that's not quite how things worked out and by the way things are not working out great for vince aside from that either um this is also around the time that vince is going to resign as the president of titan sports in the wake of the steroid controversy so he's not indicted until later in 1993 but i think he kind of sees everything coming down the pike and so he resigns and puts uh, linda in charge i believe as as the new president of titan sports <laughs> uh, with with everything that's going on ted were you confident that the company is going to be able to survive and thrive despite this situation and Hulk, the biggest star ever getting ready to leave? You know, I, I had no worries. I mean, I, you know, um, Vince is, uh, you know, he's a shrewd guy, but he's extremely intelligent too. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, you know, I mean, I, I can see why he if, might make that move just as a precautionary move in case, you know, in, in case the worst happens, right? Yes. Uh, so I, I, I get it. You know, I, I understood. And I, you know, uh, and, and for me, again, uh, what, what year was that? This is 92? Nine, 93. 93. So, you know, you know, I'm approaching the 40 mark. And, um, you know, by now I'm also, um, I'm also, uh, you know, because of, uh, what happened to me personally, you know, in my relationship with my wife at home, I mean, we're, we, we nearly, we nearly divorced. And because, you know, she discovered that I was running around and, and, um, so there was a whole lot of other things going on for me at the same time. This was when I, this was when I made a, a an about face and, and a return to a, a very heavy relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And I never, I never envisioned it going where it went. Uh, of course, I, I you know, I, I sincerely believe that's all God's hand anyway. But I end up having, I, I form part of David Ministry, and 
by this time I'm starting to go out. I mean, I'm still involved in wrestling, but I'm starting to go out little by little and start speaking in churches and sharing my story. Uh, and so I wasn't like, you know, like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do if the whole thing collapses? I got gotcha. you. Okay. You know? So you had, you had an exit strategy kind of built in with, yeah. with your new, with your new true. endeavors. Yeah. Excellent. Now, uh, so it, good. I mean, you're staying out of the issues then between Hulk and Vince, which apparently, you know, could get really heated at times. Everybody says that they have something of like a, a love hate relationship where sometimes they really, really love each other and sometimes they <laughs> kill each other. Did you ever witness any of that stuff behind the scenes? Uh, I never, I never, I never witnessed it. You know, uh, you know, I, I might've, uh, you know, maybe hearing Hulk, you know, like at different times, you know, like, da, 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 you know, uh, <laughs> you know, going off just, you know, but he, you know, obviously whatever he's going to go off about, it's nothing. He's not going to say anything that's going to give you or me any hint as to what he's dealing with. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, you know, your, your personal business with the boss is your personal business with the boss. And I think that Hulk Hogan is shrewd enough to know that, like, he might like and trust you, but he's going to be careful what he says probably around anybody and not yeah, say absolutely. anything that absolutely. he wouldn't say to Vince's face. Anybody in the business that has half a brain needs to know that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at that point, you know, if you're going to confide in a friend, it, then it better be your best friend, you know, who you are, are, are you know, sure that, uh, you know, it's it's safe with them, so... Uh, what was your relationship like with Hulk at this time? What, would you have considered him a friend in this area? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, once he and I, you know, if I may have stated this before, but I had Hulk's first match in Madison Square Garden. First That's time a... he wrestled in Madison Square Garden, he wrestled me. And I put him over big time because uh, I knew they were going to get him over. And so years later, after he gets to be a, a big star, and, and when, when this when this new meeting with Vince came along and I'm, I'm going to come back. Um, um, I remember him coming to me and saying, uh, he said, uh, I told you before, but I owe you one. And I mean, it was kind of like, you know, that was kind of like him saying, you know, you know, he's going to make sure that I'm one of the guys he works with. So as a good guy to be on, on the right side of, Oh yeah. Yeah. And so we've always had a, 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 a great relationship, you know, and that's, it was funny. See, I mean, I mean, walked in the dressing room, he shook my hand and he said, it's payback time. Here we go. So that's all man, I needed to hear. That tells you a lot about him too, as a person yeah. where he, he yes. remembers that and he's willing to, to repay yeah. the favor. Uh, what about today? How's your relationship with Hulk today? You know, I mean, I, you know, I still love the Hulkster. I just have, I haven't seen him. It's not like, you know, it's not one of those relationships where we talk to each other once a week or once a month. Uh, but that's the, that's the way it is with a lot of wrestlers. I mean, like yeah, other guys, I mean, a lot of uh, former wrestlers live in Tampa, Florida. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, Hogan, I mean, uh, Steve, uh, uh, Steve Kern, Steve Kern, Steve Kern's a very, another very good friend of mine. I mean, I met Steve in Atlanta. And I was, I, I was with him the night that his first child was born. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah. And so we, Steve and I met in Atlanta and we stayed good friends, you know, and have, have been for years, but it's not like, you know, and if I'm, if I'm going to go to Tampa for anything, 
I'll call him. He's one of the guys I'll call and say, hey, buddy, I'm on my way down there. Let's see if we can get some time together, that type of thing. Oh, cool. uh, and so Steve's, Steve lives down there, and he's a good friend of mine. Uh, um, you know, Mike Rotunda, who I tagged with. You know, Mike and I are, are pretty good friends, but it's not like it's, – it's almost like it's just the nature of the wrestling business. It's like, you know, these guys – and there are obviously exceptions to that. It's kind of like, uh, you know, like you see each other and then, and then you go away. Yeah, you know, and, and your your paths grow, and then, and then when you see each other again, you just pick up where you left off. Right. It's almost like you know it never stopped. Just let's just keep going. And uh, that's how yeah. you categorize your relationship with Hulk as well. You just see him again, and it's like yeah, you know. yeah. When I see him again, it's like okay, hey, here we go. You know, and and, and and of course that's unless I had a, you know, if somebody called me and said, hey, I got this odd idea for you know. Uh, uh, for Hulk Hogan, you know, uh, you know, and I, you know, I said, well, tell me what it is first. And I'll tell, I could probably tell you what he'll say. <laughs> <laughs> you know him pretty well after all yeah. these years, huh? Yeah. So, but I, of course I would never, you know, I might still like, well, I can give you my opinion, but I'll run it by him. And so I, this has been a couple of times. And I mean, just literally a couple of times for some people have, you know, like tried to contact him through me. And, you know, obviously I'm not going to put anybody in direct contact with him unless he wants it. Right. No, because I'm sure that there's a lot of people clamoring to get in touch with Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Ted, if anything signaled a change of the times uh, here in this era, this is probably it. on the 517 Monday Night Raw, Sean Waltman would score a huge upset victory over Razor Ramon. Waltman had gone by a few different names since coming into the company and working as an enhancement guy, but this is a fun piece of business. We know that this incident is going to lead to the rivalry between yourself and Razor Ramon when you and the other heels start to taunt Razor about uh, losing the match to the much smaller kid. But I'm curious, uh, you know, we, you're in this era and you grew up in this era of these massive guys, over the top guys, great physiques, huge guys. And at a glance, Waltman does not look like the typical wrestler. Uh, what did you think when you saw this smaller guy coming into the biggest stage in pro wrestling? Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. I said, you know, this this is great. I mean, because here's the thing. Old school, real old school wrestling. I mean, um, you know, like uh, my my father's era, you know, the era just before me and and, 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 and all these other guys. It's me and Hanson and Brody and, and Hulk and all these guys. You know, it's Vince, Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon loved guys with big bodies. I mean, Vince, I mean, he worked, he, he, you know, even now I'm sure he stays in, in tip top shape. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm, I'm about to turn 70. So I think Vince has got to be somewhere around 80 now. <laughs> I know I'm he's not, in his seventies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think he's almost 80, but, but I mean, I could guarantee you this, if I saw him again today, you know, you know, he would still have the guns. I mean, I mean, I mean, he, Let's put it this way. When he had the office built in Stanford, and this is the one that's right off Interstate 95, and you can see the great big WWF flag as you drive by it on your right. Yeah. Going that way, going north. And uh, he had a gym put in that office that is second to none. I mean, it could have been Gold's gym. I mean, it had everything. 
not just free weights, all the equipment, all, I mean, everything. I mean, you know, if you, and so anybody who wanted to, if you're working for the company and you're there for any reason, you want to work out in the gym, there it is. So, I mean, that's how dedicated to, you know, looking good Vince is. And, and he, he liked that. He liked the guys with the big bodies and, and the, you know, the great big physiques, but old school wrestling didn't demand that. I mean, okay. Let me give you an example. Uh, you remember, uh, Buck Robley? I, I know the name. I can't okay. put a face to it. Yeah. The Colonel, Colonel Buck Robley. And, uh, Buck Robley was a great, not only was he a great in-ring wrestler, but, uh, Bill Watts had him as, as the, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the matchmaker for a while. Oh, Booker. The Booker uh, for a while under him. And uh, if you ever saw Buck, you go, I mean, you know, he, he just, he had no body and, you know, nothing significant, you know, and he, you know, like he wore long tights and uh, this, it, you know, just, you know, look him up, but Buck Robley, but, Buck is just one of one example. I mean, you know, Dick Murdoch, there's another guy, another great wrestler, but, and Dick was, Dick was big, you know, he had size on him, but he, he never had a, you know, he never looked like he came off the cover of muscle and fitness magazine, <laughs> and, but great wrestler. And, and, and so, you know, that's the, the, the era of, of, of the guys and, 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 and me, I, you know, I had a decent body, but I never looked like, you know, it's like I didn't look like I came off of Muscle and Fitness magazine either. I was a great in-ring worker, performer. Uh, you know, I had a decent body, but, you know, you you would you would never think, you know, like, well, I, you know. And that's actually one of the things that, that Vince said to me when I signed with him. He says, I want, to, I want you to be visible in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Were you? We did, oh yeah, oh yeah. I, you know, I I worked out a lot more then than I than I did, uh, or have since. You know, so. Uh, so when you see this guy Sean Waltman, he probably goes about six foot tall, maybe one hundred and eighty pounds, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, you know, I, I know that a lot of people, and it was this was in the Observer at the time. A lot of the people were like, "What are we doing here?" Um, but you saw it and you thought of guys like Buck Robley and, yeah. uh, and knew yeah. that, you know, he didn't need to be huge. Right. Yeah. I mean, here, here's, here's like, I'm, 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 I'm the reason I'm surprised is like, uh, you know, I, I can't believe it because, you know, look at the size of this kid. I mean, he doesn't look like he could break an egg, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but again, it was, it worked. And, you know, to Sean's credit, man, he is a great performer. He can really go in the ring. And so I, I think that that kind of helped make him believable, too, where it's Absolutely. like, man, he can fly. Um, well, before you begin your issue with Ramon, yourself and IRS are starting a little feud with the Steiner Brothers. Uh, my plan is for us to do a full Steiner Brothers episode down the road covering this rivalry and your work with them as a manager in WCW. But for right now, I'd just love to hear your opinion of them as a team. What did you think of the Steiners when they came in here? Oh, they were great. They they were great and they were great to work with. I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, I think his brothers they probably had. I mean, they're brothers, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you know they're they're going to have they're going to more they're, they're going to end up having more issues with each other <laughs> than they are anybody else. Uh, uh, but no, I mean, I you know I you know the, the you know not, not only not only were they both good workers. 
but they were they both have an excellent amateur background yes which is it's kind of like you know uh uh made me a little more fond of them because you know my dad obviously i mean it's like you know you know my dad was uh actually i think i don't think he was ever the world champion i have to look that up if he ever had the world championship for even a day mm. or something but uh he, he was the aau national heavyweight wrestling champion in 1946. wow that's amateur wrestling that's that's shoot wrestling and he was the 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 the, the champion uh of the in the, in the heavyweight division that takes and, a pretty badass dude Oh, and he was only like 5'11", but he had a 22-inch neck. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> like a bulldog, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so you saw the Steiners, and, you know, you're like, yeah, I like these guys. These guys are shooters, plus they have a good look, plus, you know, good, good ring skills. Yeah, good ring skills, you know, and, and uh, yeah, and we, worked, we worked well together. We did. So now, uh, rumor has it that the Steiners, and maybe we we should hold this for uh, the the Steiners episode, but um, we'll we'll do a little teaser. Rumor has it that the Steiners would uh, play ribs on people pretty often, and uh, some of them could be a little stiff. Did you ever see any of that? Um, yes, I was in the lock, locker room for a lot of that. <laughs> uh, I can't remember any one incident, but. I mean, you just brought it back to my memory about them being pranksters. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I was fortunate not to be on the ever be on the receiving end of it. Because what could you do with those two guys? They'd stretch <laughs> you and they'd do what they wanted, anyways. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but yeah, rumor has it uh, it was they would duct tape people a lot and just and oh, yeah. go from there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. right. we can we can maybe revisit it on uh, the Steiner Brothers episode. All right, so Ted, the hits keep on coming for McMahon at this time as Tom Cole, the WWF ring boy, who claimed that he and other ring boys were sexually abused and propositioned by WWF officials Pat Patterson, Mel Phillips, and Terry Garvin. Um, so Tom Cole is is uh, suing the company at this time. Uh, Ted, did you ever hear much about this or witness any of these alleged behaviors? Marcus, uh my right hand and i'm a, I'm a god-fearing christian and a minister this is the first i'm hearing it really i i never heard that and i and i i don't know how that could be uh you know i i don't know i mean oh dude it <laughs> maybe was i i never had time to pick up the paper but i mean <laughs> I, I would at least think somebody's going to tell me this. <laughs> you were you were on the road. You were a busy man, but uh, man, it was national news at this time. Where this guy, uh, you know, I believe he was in his early twenties, uh, and and multiple other people um, who were working. And I think it was like some part time announcer made it made a claim as well, where essentially these officials were coming to them and saying like, "Hey, you know, you can advance in your job, but you got to do a little favor for me." type deal and some of them were like getting in the ring with some of these ring boys and like working with them but it would almost turn to like a sexual situation at times so uh it turned into a really really big deal at this time uh so you never heard a word of this no, no. well uh we can we can move on but i i do want to know though you know at this time is vince seeming frazzled or phased you know the ring boy controversy aside it's he's got this steroid thing going on his main draw ever hulk hogan is getting ready to leave did you witness vince kind of seeming stressed out or frustrated 
No, Vince never, I don't think Vince ever would let anybody see him that way. You know, every time, you know, uh, most, I mean, we, we saw, we saw Vince, you know, like after, after our initial, you know, like making a contract and, you know, the whole thing where you, you, you go to his office and, and we signed the deal and all after, after that, it's like, you know, I just, I just recently got my, uh, nostalgia contract from the WWE, you know, for another well, two or three years, whatever it is. Um, but, uh, the only times that most of us saw Vince were at the TVs. Okay. And when he's at the TV, he's, you know, he's like this, uh, you know, he's, he's thinking about nothing else but the, 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 the television production. And that's what you're talking about. But I mean, I, you know, did, did he ever seem to be more stressed than other times? And not, not to my, you know, and I don't know. I, you know, it was like, I never knew Vince. Like I was never close enough to Vince to see the signs. If you know what I mean? Okay. Like, I, you know, you look at Vince and go, oh gosh, you know, he, you know, he, he looks like he's worried about something. Uh, you know, I don't think anybody, you know, other than his his closest family could recognize it. I've heard that Vince is not going to sell it, whether he's stressed or not. He yeah. is, he yeah. is just going to keep his head down and keep working. So, yeah. I mean, good for you him. Got it. And that's all any, any of us ever saw. That's what it takes to be a leader. So. All right. Well, your rivalry with the Steiners continues into the King of the Ring and an eight-man tag team match as Rick and Scott team up with the Smoking Guns to take on Money, Inc. and the Head Shrinkers. That's our only clip this week. Let's have a gander. Aren't those the two guys with the big brooms that walk behind all the animals? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Doubt it. Wouldn't surprise me. IRS made the two. And so did Bart Gunn. A fresh Ibiase gun. And Billy Gunn, the two ligament in the ring here. A loaded gun. IRS whip. Far side. Back body drop. Great elevation there by Billy Gunn. Body with a clothesline. And another clothesline. DiBiase in trouble here in this eight man tag team event. And DiBiase waistline. And drop gun right across the top ring cable. He hung him there. And now let's see if DiBiase can take advantage. Welcome to the WWF, but I think the Smoking Guns deserve to be here. They came in with a bang. Here's that million dollar dream. Well, it's not the last cowboy that got hung. Million dollar dream by DiBiase. And Billy Gunn in trouble here. A fading into obscurity in this contest. I'll make him feel at home. Happy trails to you. DiBiase is a rich dance. Billy Gunn almost out of it here. What just happened here? He let go of the million dollar dream on his own. What happened? I don't know. Is that? I think he gave up. There's been no sound for the bell. He didn't give up. DiBiase let go of him. Why? Just to rub it in. He probably couldn't stand the smell off those jeans and those dirty cowboy boots. Is he trying to insult them? That's what he's trying to do. He's just trying to, to inflict more punishment and pain. Hey, hey, he's got the inside cradle. A war has broken out here. The Steiner brothers and the Smoking Guns have won this eight-man tag team event. 
All right, there was King oh, of the Ring. Yeah. That's one time I would agree with, would agree with Randy. That <laughs> was stupid. What's he thinking? Hey, so I wanted to give a shout out to Richard Land for that video. Uh, he sources a lot of these videos for us. Uh, and man, it's a great guy. And we're so glad that he could hook us up with that. But uh, Ted, you know, King of the Ring 93 is the, uh, you know, it's of course best remembered as Hulk Hogan's final pay-per-view match with the WWF. But like, you know, pretty underrated moment here. It's it's yourself and future Hall of Famer Billy Gunn locking it up in the ring. Uh, Billy is still going strong today with AEW, and incredibly, he's got a better body now than he did then, which is just wild. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, what were your early impressions of, of Billy, and did you see his star potential? Uh, well, I mean, you know, both those guys, you know, I, you know, uh, we're, we're pretty good workers, and obviously, you know, they're not gonna, they're not gonna get into a match in the ring with the other people that are in that ring with them if they're not capable. And mm-hmm. uh, of course, the other thing is the other the other deal is when when you the, the way that you take potential stars and make them stars is put them in the ring, you know, and and expose them to the guys that have already been. I mean, that's how I look. That's that's the way you learn the business. The old school way is, you know, uh, when I got in the ring the first, you know, I mean, like oh my gosh, you know, like the first year two years you know I'm, I'm usually getting in the ring with somebody who's much more experienced than i am and who can lead me so uh but no those guys were good uh i had you know uh you know i didn't i didn't really know how they were going to get over when they first started mm-hmm. but you know they i think they surprised everybody well, and, and Billy Gunn certainly found his groove uh, eventually joining forces with DX, and that's really probably what made him a Hall of Famer. But yeah, it's you know you can see it. He's a big guy. He did have a cool look, and uh, I think he just needed that little extra something to bring it out. And yeah, to your yeah. point, it's you know Arn Anderson always says, uh, "Here's how you get better: is work with guys that are better than you." Yeah, and uh, that's that's exactly what was happening there. You had a lot of experience on him, and you made him shine, and he got a he got yeah. a win. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. Uh, here's an interesting note, Ted, and uh, kind of a, a big element here in our podcast this week. In the June 28th edition of The Observer, Meltzer notes that you officially gave notice that you'd be leaving after SummerSlam to work as a regular for All Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, Ted, what was going on here? Was your contract up? Uh, well, that's, that was the deal, is that, um, you know, the deal I had in Japan was so good. I mean, you know, um, two of the biggest names ever are, I, to say it the Japanese way, two of the biggest, gaijin, gaijin means foreigner. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, two of the biggest names that were foreign wrestlers in Japan were Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody. Uh, and, and that would be for All Japan Pro Wrestling. And All Japan Pro Wrestling was the original pro- promotion New Japan came along later, uh, later and was 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 running, and still and, and doing business. But you know, uh, uh, but the Funks, by and large, did a lot of the booking for all Japan Pro Wrestling for the American talent that came over. Anyway, uh, uh, Stan Hansen came to me one day, you know, on a tour, and said, "Brody's leaving." He's going to work for the other company. And that's that was at that time pretty much unheard of. I mean, like, 
I think royal loyalty is a big thing in Japan. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, to jump ship and go to the the, the other team is you know, it's just been something that doesn't happen very often. And so that's what took place. And he says, "I'm going to need a new partner. Do you want the job?" I looked at him wide eyed and I said, "Are you kidding?" Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 and that's what I said. Hell yeah, uh, I, you know who wouldn't? It's kind of like he's a pig's ass pork, you know. Uh, yeah, who wouldn't want that job? And so this now puts me up on another. another they move that moves me up a notch in in terms. And now, now I'm going to be flying back and forth in Japan like four or five, six times a year. And uh, basically making my living over there, and this is in. Uh, this would have been uh, the time frame that you're referring to would have been 1987, right ahead of your WWF debut. Yeah, right? and and you know, and and, and at that time, uh, I was making a thousand dollars a night. Ooh, that is some damn good money. And so, if I was there. On a three-week tour, twenty-one days, twenty-one grand in cash. Not bad at all. No, no, and you know sometimes I wonder if I should stick stuck with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, well, all all's well that ends well. You became a Hall of Famer by moving on to the WWF. You, well, of course, yeah. you got that yeah. call from Bruce Pritchard while you were overseas, and. Man, the the rest is history, yeah. uh, and and believe me, folks, we are going to be talking about Ted's days t- tag teaming with Stan Hansen in Japan in the eighties. Uh, but but right now, I'm just curious. It's you know, here you were, you've been with with Vince now for whatever it is, uh, six years, somewhere in that neighborhood, and you've made this name for yourself. And all of a sudden, all Japan Pro Wrestling is back on the table. Is it uh, had your contract expired with WWE, or was it about to expire? You know, it's hard for me to remember that. Yeah. Um, um, uh, I just, uh, I don't know. It, well, I, I won't press you too hard on it because we are asking about 30 years ago. Yeah, but. I, I like. Uh, but that, yeah, that's just, you know, it's just hard for me to uh, think of why. Was I still, obviously I was still wrestling, so... Uh, you were. I'm getting the impression, just based on the notes that I read, that your your contract was either expired, and maybe you're just working night to night, or it was set to expire. Uh, it seemed like something like that, where uh, you know, it's it, you were kind enough to give give your notice um, before jumping ship to all Japan. Uh, it's just I don't know. I, I find it strange because you know Vince is is losing folks, and he's in a really rough period. And here you are, you're a well established heel. And Vince, you give your notice. I feel like Vince would have probably fought to keep you in the WWF at this time. Do you have any memory of that? Uh, no. I mean, uh, what year? What year was it? This is 1993. So if you remember, uh, and we're going to cover SummerSlam on probably an episode coming up here next month. But yeah. if if you recall, uh, it, you go to SummerSlam with Razor Ramon, and then right after that, you're back in Japan, and I think you even win the tag team titles over there. With, with with Stan, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're back working with Stan Hansen. Yeah. And then you uh, you discover, I, I think you spoke to your doctor or something after you were having some trouble. You discover the injury, and then you retire. Yes. 
That's exactly right because I just told him I can't do it. And I, you know, I called my wife and I told her. And you know, the thing that was great, I mean, this is giant Baba. This is why I so re respected him and his company. And, and I had only been there for three days or four days when I, when I told him I, I've got to go home. Wow. I can't deal with it anymore. And so when he paid me, he didn't pay me for three or four days. He paid me for the whole tour. Were you back on the old deal that you had with Stan Hansen here in 93, this $1,000 a night situation? Yeah. Whew. What a good guy. Yeah. What a yeah. good guy hooking you up like that. So. Well, it's it's a shame, you know, the, the end of your Hall of Fame in-ring career. But, of course, you know, you continue as a manager and, and you know, create a, a new legacy that way. I do want to mention, though, that rumor has it you were eyeing WCW also before making the jump over to all Japan and Meltzer reported that prior to your deal with Japan, you attempted to get a $250,000 a year deal done with WCW. Is there any truth to that? Or is somebody telling Meltzer stories? Uh, that, there, there may be truth to that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Cause if I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to go to work for another company, you know, I'm not, gonna, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna leave the deal. I, you know, I mean, obviously with Vince, I wasn't on a guarantee, but the deal in J the Japan deal was that was a guarantee. I mean, it's like you know I was making a thousand dollars a night. So if I'm going on a five week tour, how much is that? That's an awful lot of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how many days? In, I mean, you know, like there's there's uh, what seven days? Like five, ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty five, thirty, thirty. That's thirty five grand. Whew. A five week tour would be, you know, 35 days. That's 35 grand. But so no. you negotiated with WCW kind of saying, like, hey, look, yeah, I've got all this money on the table of Japan, or I could stay home and make some guaranteed money from WCW. Yeah. Um, but apparently they didn't go for it, which honestly, what a huge mistake on WCW's part at this time. Yeah. You know, uh, obviously nobody knew about your lingering injury, but like yeah. the, the idea that they could have landed the million dollar man in their company at that time when they needed some help, whew, they wow. probably should have pulled the trigger. Well, and, uh, you know, so, but I, 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 you know, I did end up over there for a little while, didn't I? You, you eventually made your way over to WCW um, as a manager. Again, that's coming next month too. We got yeah. some big anniversaries next month. Um, we've got this report from the June 28th Observer. The tag team title changed hands two more times this past week with Money, Inc. regaining the belts from the Steiners on 616 in Rockford, Illinois, and the Steiners winning them back on 619 in St. Louis when Scott gave Ted DiBiase the Frankensteiner. The original title change in Columbus, Ohio, wasn't taped for television, even though it was at a taping. Uh, so, Ted, I know that Vince liked doing switches at the house shows to create the perception that fans need to attend because anything can happen. But uh, why do you think the multiple switches in just such a short period of time? It's just sort of weird, uncharacteristic, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I don't, you know, and I don't know. I, I had a feeling you wouldn't know the behind the scenes, like why yeah. Vince would do something like that. Yeah. I just thought it, I just thought it was strange. Yeah, I mean, we kind of thought it was strange too, but you know, you, you know, you do what you're told. That's it. Um, yeah. Well, here's another interesting note from the next edition of the Observer as Ho as Hogan finishes some of his uh, final live events in America before his departure. Hogan's WWF career went out like a lamb. 
Hogan worked before crowds of 3,800 and 3,500 in Chicago and Boston, respectively. In both cases, Hogan didn't seem to be taking matters seriously. In Chicago, Hogan brought Horace Grant of the Chicago Bulls into the ring from the crowd and let him pin Ted DiBiase to signal the end of the tag team match. The next night in Boston, during the t- a tag match, while Brutus Beefcake was in the ring battling Money, Inc., Hogan jumped off the apron and began a conversation with some ringside fans instead of acting like he was heavily involved in the match. Uh, so I think that's pretty interesting, Ted. Horace Grant had just won the NBA championship series as a member of the Bulls on June 20th. And here he is like a week or so later <laughs> pinning you in the ring. Uh, do you have any memory of this? Uh, well, yeah, but uh, obviously, you know, pinning me, he didn't do anything. He just came in the ring and, and co- you know, covered me. I was already there. <laughs> right. so it's kind of like, you know, and I, I, I wouldn't have agreed to anything else. No, no, because, you know, this guy is not a wrestler and, you no. know, he's an athlete, but he's not he's not a wrestler for crying out loud. So you don't want to be putting this guy over like well, he's and, a and, you know, and, and of course, you know, that but that would be that's a big pop for the crowd. Yeah, you know, I mean, because they all knew, knew who he was. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I thought it was pretty cool, you know. I mean, no. wild. This guy just became the champion in the NBA, like uh, literally a week before this, and then he's in there with you. It's yeah. pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what were your impressions of Hogan's final dates with the company, though? I mean, did you get any sense that he was kind of phoning it in with with sort of the silly shtick, or is this common house show stuff? Uh, no, it was it was not common. You know, it was like uh, you know he was acting a little different. <laughs> 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 kind of like uh, leaning over and whispering in Mike's ear, like, uh, "What's he doing?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's you know, I in Hogan's defense, it's like you're wrapping up kind of your final dates. It's you're obligated to go and do this stuff, but yeah. it's like, hey, man, I'm about to go make a bunch of money in Hollywood. If I break my leg right yeah. now, yeah. that could really yeah. screw with things. So, why yeah. not have a little fun yeah. instead? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I, and I had no problem with with any of it. I thought it was. I mean, I mean, even if he wasn't leaving. I mean, you know, it's like you you got a you got a, another celebrity in the house watching you, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, Hulk does his move, you know, drops the leg, and I'm just there and calls the other guy in to to cover me, and everybody popped. So yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, if he wasn't leaving, I, I would still if, if if he suggested it, I would. Yeah, I'll do it. I mean, honestly, that kind of thing would be good on national TV, too. Uh, you know, it's Horace Grant just won the NBA championship. It's awesome. <laughs> um, so following Hogan's departure, Vince is clearly on the hunt for a new Superman as his flag bearer. And it appears that he lands on Lex Luger. July 4th, 1993, Luger body slam Yokozuna on the USS Intrepid after flying in on a helicopter. Uh, Ted, what did you think when it came to the idea of positioning Lex Luger in this role? Well, you know, I love Lex, you know, but I just, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know if he's ready for it. I mean, he's got, I mean, obviously he's got that look. I mean, this guy's, you know, uh, huge, great, unbelievable physique, which, I mean, like I said before, you know, Vince was, you know, that's what he was crazy about was those great bodies. I said, but. You know, a great body is one thing and a great look is one thing. But, you know, uh, I didn't know if Lex Luger had the know-how of carrying the belt, you know, so. Right. And, um, and, and um, 
I, you know, I, I, and I love Lex. I wouldn't have, but I wouldn't have done that at that time. Yeah, it's you know, I've I've heard that Lex is a great guy, and certainly it, like his look, his physique, just picture perfect for uh, professional yeah. wrestling. However, I have also heard that he's just green as grass, and yeah. uh, at, like even at that stage where he'd been in wrestling for a while, just maybe wasn't ready for it, and that proved out because Vince uh, clearly planned to to anoint this guy, but as it turns out, he never wound up winning the the WWF championship. So I think Vince started to see the light after. After yeah. giving it a shot with with Lex there for a while, yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's uh, that's that's actually going to do it for this week, Ted. Because uh, you know we're going to save the rest of the story of 1993 and the summer of '93 for our SummerSlam episode, where we're also going to talk about your time back in Japan and your eventual retirement from professional wrestling 30 years ago. Wow. Uh, but man, this was this was a really fun episode to go back and, and take a look. 30 years. Did you say 30 years ago? 30 years ago, you retired from wrestling, Ted. <laughs> I'm just getting to be an old fart, huh? <laughs> well, as we said at the top of the show, you're looking like a million bucks, as it were. Um, hey, but before we go, I want to remind you all that if you'd like to get this podcast on video with no commercials and early, uh, you can do that over at PremierStreamingNetwork.com uh, when you sign up for Premier Plus. RVD's got a podcast, Sabu, and of course, most importantly, we have a podcast there. So go and uh, go and check it out. There's tons of entertainment uh, aside from just wrestling there. So it's uh, if you're a wrestling fan, you are missing out if you're not being a, if you're not a part of it. If you're enjoying our show and you've listened to your podcast app, please take a moment to like, subscribe, and leave us five star review over there. That helps us out a bunch and keeps this free podcast free. It takes only a couple of minutes, a couple of seconds, really. Just give us a quick review and. Uh, uh, and we will thank you for it. Uh, we'll be back for more next week. But in the meantime, please give us a follow on social media at Ted DiBiase Pod on all social platforms. Also, you can follow Ted at MDM Ted DiBiase on his social media. Follow me at Marcus P. D'Angelo on Twitter. Follow Premier Streaming Network at Watch on Premier on Twitter and at Premier Streaming Network on Instagram and Facebook. Man, a look back 30 years, uh, quite an interesting summer in the WWF. And there is more to come. And remember, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> it pops me every time. It's I, I think it's always going to. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week right here on Everybody's Got a Pod. <laughs>